The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game. Public enemies who try to destroy our America. young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure, check and double check. The Green Hornet strikes again. Reed's secretary, Lenore Case, sat with Mike Axford in a small Italian restaurant, having lunch. Well, Michael, I've enjoyed my lunch very much. I don't know when I've eaten so much in the middle of the day. Sure, I'm glad you decided to come with me, Casey. Yeah. Well, what's the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> Are you sure I had some change in my pocket somewhere? Uh-oh. Here's where I pay for our lunches. Is that it? <laughs> Oh, I might have known. Oh, no, Casey. Is that any way to talk? You know, I wouldn't bring you here expecting that. Well, even if I don't have any change, I do have the paycheck that I just got. Paycheck? Already? I know it's payday, but you must have been the first to get a check. <laughs> I was. And a good thing, too. I had to talk to paydesk and they me mine early. They usually don't pay off till Christmas time. I know. <laughs> I knew that you got the first one. Uh, shall we go? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll pay the meals check as we go out and get Tony to cash me paycheck. Come on. It's <laughs> a good thing you know Tony or we'd have to wash dishes. I'm almost broke. <laughs> well, well, it's Mr. Axford. This one of your sister, just like the one you bring last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tony. You must have been seeing someone else last week and thought it was me. <laughs> You're a fool, Tony. This is the girl she has. Sure, sure, sure. Let's forget the past, Tony. Look, uh, I want you to cash me paycheck. Sure. I'll look at the register to see if you enough of money to cash the check. Already I cash you two paychecks from your paper today. But for you, I cash you this one. Fine, fine. Uh, take out for the lunches. Here's the meal ticket. Here's your change. Yeah. Well, oh, thanks, Tony. Does a man have to be own heart, you are? Axford. Huh? Something wrong, Casey? I was wondering who got two paychecks ahead of yours, that's all. I guess it's none of our business, though. I'm a bit curious myself. Uh, say, Tony, huh? before you close that register, could I see whose checks you cast for the sentence? Sure. Sure, take a look. Yeah. James Hobbs, $100. The other one to William Inwood. And it's for a hundred dollars, too. Hey, Casey, I don't know anyone by them names, do you? No. Let me see them a minute. Hmm. I thought for a moment there were checks paid to someone outside the paper. But it says payroll check on each one, and they're signed by Mr. Rogers. I guess they must be new people on the staff we haven't heard of, actually. Thank you, Tony. It's all right. They're coming to some more. 
Let's go, Axford. Oh, yeah. You better be getting back. But Casey, I'd sure like to know who the new guys are who are getting a hundred bucks apiece. That I would. A short time later, Britt Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, was talking to Miss Case and Axford in his office. It's a good thing you and Axford don't go to lunch together every day, Miss Case. I'm sorry, Mr. Reed, but really, we were gone only an hour. I wasn't thinking about the time. I uh, thought perhaps Axford rooked you into paying for the lunch. <laughs> no, Reed, you've got any way to talk. Well, from experience, I happen to know, Axford, that you're usually just out of change. <laughs> well, this time you did all right, Mr. Reed. He had his paycheck with him. <laughs> I heard you were always the first one at the pay window, Axford. Well, he wasn't quite the first one this time. Two others cashed their paychecks at Tony's before Axford did. Uh, James Hobbs and William Inwood. Hobbs? Inwood? Who were they? I never heard of them. <laughs> I bet you don't know half the people you pay out money to, Reed. <laughs> you ought to know them, at least by name, Mr. Reed. Well, the amount of their take-home check was $100 each. Well, I still think you're mistaken about them. I'll soon find out. Yes, Mr. Reed. Rogers, maybe you can set me straight on two Sentinel employees. I want to know what department they're in. Well, what are the names, Mr. Reed? One is James Hobbs and the other William... Uh, Inwood. Uh, William Inwood. Well, wait just a minute looking them up. I guess he signs too many checks to remember all the names. Just so he remembers mine every payday, that's all I care. <laughs> <laughs> Money matters. Hello, Mr. Reed. Yes? We haven't either a Hobbs or an Inwood on the Sentinel payroll. You haven't? Are you sure? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, that's all, Rogers. Thanks. You two are talking through your respective hats. Well, no, Mr. Reed. I took the checks in my hand. I looked at them closely. There were daily sentinel payroll checks, and the names were Hobbs and Inwood. That's right, Reed. We both looked at them. Hmm. I'll call Rogers back. Yes, sir? Rogers, uh, have you any way of checking to see if you made out payroll checks to the men I mentioned, uh, James Hobbs and William Inwood? The checks were dated today, Mr. Reed. The checks were dated today, Rogers. I can check, all right. I'll call you back in a few minutes, Mr. Reed. Well, thanks. It's strange Mr. Rogers hasn't heard of those two men. I should think if he signs their checks each week, he'd remember them. A minute ago, you said he probably signed too many to remember. Remember? Oh, stop stammering, Axford. Well, who's stammering? I just said you said he well, probably signed... Well, I just signed... changed my mind, that's all. Okay. You changed your mind. Then tell us what's so strange about Rogers not remembering. Oh, pipe down, Michael. I think it's strange, too. You do? It is a fact, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> so now you're a yes man. Uh, say, listen, Katie. For two pins, I wouldn't take it, lunch. I hadn't already taken it. <laughs> makes sense. Or does it? <laughs> oh, to Axford, it makes sense. Well, Rogers? No payroll checks have been made out to either Hobbs or Inwood at any time, Mr. Reed. In fact, no checks of any kind have been made to their names. Well, thanks, Rogers. That's all for now. Well, for heaven's sake. Then what about those daily sentinel checks Tony has in his cash register? I don't know yet. But we're soon going to find out. Come along, Axford. We'll go to Tony's and get another look at those checks. And you say, Tony, that both men showed you a Sentinel press card as identification? That's all right, Mr. Reed. They tell of Tony they come anew to work under the Sentinel. I asked her for to show Tony Carter something. That's how I cashed the check. It's a gift, that's what it is. 
That's uh, what do you call it? The jeep? A uh, fake, a racket, a phony. That's what. What Axford means, Tony, is that the checks aren't genuine. They're no good. Now let me have the checks. I'll see you get the cash this afternoon. Whatever you tell her, Tony, Mr. Reed, it's so good. Here, you take it the checks. Well, thanks, Tony. I'll send the money down to you. Sure. Come on, Axford. We have work to do. short time later in Britt Reed's office. Yes, Miss Case? I've told Mr. Rogers to hold back the checks to pay off in cash today. He called the bank about stop payments on any payroll checks of ours dated after last week. And we'll have to have a new supply of different payroll checks day after tomorrow. Is there anything else, sir? Get the police commissioner on the phone for me. Yes, sir. Uh, what do you want me to do, Reed? Well, after I talk to the commissioner, you can take Tony's money and then go down to police headquarters. They'll want to see those checks. You can carry them along. Yeah. And believe me, they better do something about stopping those crooks, too. Imagine them jipping the sentinel. I don't have to imagine. They are jipping the sentinel. Hello? The police commissioner's on the phone, Mr. Reed. All right, switch the call to me, Miss Case. Hello? Commissioner, this is Britt Reed of the Daily Sentinel. Oh, yes, Mr. Reed. What's wrong? Well, uh, we ran across a couple of what seemed to be sentinel payroll checks. Almost perfect in every detail, even to the signature. But they're forgeries. Each was made out and cashed for $100. No telling how many others are being passed. That's serious business, all right. I'll get the men working on it right away. Mike Axford is coming down with the checks, and uh, your experts can look them over. I'll send along one of our real checks with Roger's signature for comparison. Good. You can be sure we'll do everything we can to catch the men responsible, Mr. Reed. We'll put out a warning to all merchants right away. Thanks, Commissioner. I'm sure you'll do all you can. You can count on that, Mr. Reed. Bye. Bye. Axford, uh, tell the police at headquarters that Tony couldn't give a very clear description of the men. Maybe they can get something out of him if they want to question him. Okay, Reed. You better get started. And uh, if you find out anything down there, let me know right away. Sure. That I will, Reed. I'll be seeing you later. So long. <laughs> It was late afternoon when Britt Reed walked into the city room of the Daily Sentinel and approached the city desk. Hello, Gunnigan. Anything new? Hiya, Chief. Where you been the past three hours? I had a luncheon date at the Civic Club. Why? Well, Miss Case was looking for us. She had a phone call from police headquarters. You did? What about? Well, they called to ask that we kill the story about the phony checks till we get the go sign from them. Said that they are keeping it off the radio and out of the papers for the time being. I wonder why they want the story. Seeing that they've notified the business associations about the check and they've contacted all the cops and cruisers and on the beats to tip off the city merchants. Then if somebody walks in to cash one of those checks, bingo, his goose will be cooked. Say, that's a good idea. If the crooks don't know we found out about the checks, they'll go on cashing them. Yeah, I guess you're right there, all right. City desk, Daily Sentinel. Cunningham, this is Mike Ashford. I'm at cops headquarters. So what? I got news about them phony Sentinel checks. Holy mackerel, that's fast work for the cops, all right. I'll tell the chief he's right here. Okay, I gotta go. I call you back when they break the cash by grilling the guy in the car. Come on. Hey, wait a minute, I want to... Oh. What's up? Chief, the cops sure went to work on that phony check business. They've caught a guy passing one of them, and they're taking him in. Swell. Yeah, they'll break the case wide open. They should have the whole gang rounded up by early tonight. Oh.
with mugs like you is that you don't know when to stop. You'd already passed almost 50 of them checks up to noon today when we found out about them. The last one you tried to pass was a break. Well, oh, dry up, will you? He thinks he's tough, Sarge. He'll get over that when we grill him. You won't get nothing from me, copper. We uh, know there's others working in that check racket with you. You'll spill the beans all right before we're through. You'd be a fool to take the rap along. Oh, stop your preaching. You tire me out. Okay, Jim. Here's headquarters. Park right in front. Right, sir. Keep your eye on him, Jim. Have your gun handy. Come on, you. I'm getting out. Stop pulling, will you? Well, Paul, get Continue our Green Hornet adventure in just a moment. As Sergeant Burke and his prisoner stepped from the police car, the officer behind the wheel shouted a warning. Look out, Sergeant! Look out! The lamb swerved towards it with a blazing machine gun aimed through one of its windows. job on Lou. He's dead. And dead men tell no tales. Uh, still that stubble, <laughs> Evans. You know as well as I do that Lou wasn't going to scream. Couldn't take any chances, Cliff. Anyway, he should have been more careful. Then he wouldn't have been caught. The thing I was tailing him and saw the pinch. They still say there was no need to gun Lou down. Now listen, Cliff. The cops are going to grill Lou. How long do you think it would have been before they broke him down? Lou couldn't have taken it. You told me we were going to pick off the cops and give Lou a chance to beat it. But you deliberately aimed at Lou and filled the poor guy with bullets. Joe Calvert and Eddie Forrest aren't going to like it either when they get the news. Joe and Eddie? Look, those two and Lou have been well paid to pass the checks for us. Lou was dumb enough to get caught. If he needed the others, he would have taken instead of Lou. Joe and Eddie worked with Lou and me when we ran the fake mutual racket a few years ago. They know Lou wouldn't squeal because he got picked up at that time and held out against the cops for two days until I got him sprung. They didn't pin a thing on us. Well, it's too late now. Lou's gone. You might as well forget it. Stop blowing your top about something that can't be helped. Okay. I'll pipe down, Evans. But I won't forget what happened to Lou. You can bet on that. Meantime, Britt Reed had left the central building and gone to his apartment where Cato, his faithful Filipino valet, was waiting. The two men discussed the happenings of the day. And now that the men police pick up has been killed, there's no clue to gang? That's right, Cato. Miss Reed's apartment. Cato, this is Ashford. Let me talk to Reed. Well, just a minute, Mr. Oxford. Hello, Axford. What's new? I suppose you heard about the killing. Yes, I heard it over the radio. And, of course, the Sentinel put out extras on it. Sure. Where, Reed? Sarge wanted to take Tony down to the morgue to see if he could identify the corpse as being one of the guys who cashed one of them checks today in Tony's place. Well? Tony said he didn't think so. So there must be several to the mob. 
Yes, I'm sure there must be. But that ain't all, Reed. I recognized the dead guy. You did? Sure. And we verified it with his fingerprints, too. It was back in the days when I was on the force. I picked that guy up for passing big mutual tickets at a racetrack. He was mixed up with a bunch of slick workers at the time. Maybe you'll remember. Cliff Clifford, the racketeer, and his pals Calvert and Forrest. Oh, yes, I do remember. The police never could get anything on them in the way of direct evidence. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, I guess this bug, uh, Lou Morris was his name, must have got mixed up with the wrong bunch this time. They didn't waste any time bumping him off to save their own necks. That's right, Axford. I wasn't sure you heard about the killing, so I called. Thought you might like to know I identified the victim, too. Well, thanks for calling, Axford. And keep me posted. That I will, Reed. Though the cops are sort of stymied right at this point. Goodbye, Axford. Well, Clifford, Calvert, and Forrest. What do you think of, Mr. Britt? I think I've got something, Cato. Listen. Cliff Clifford was a racketeer who used to own a roadhouse. He sold out some time ago. Before that, he had worked in a bank and was discharged for some discrepancy or other. Well, Axford mentioned this Clifford? Just to recall that the murdered man at one time worked along with Clifford and two others, Calvert and Forrest. Well, who are they? They used to have a cheap printing shop. The whole bunch were mixed up in some racing ticket racket, but it was never proved. Then racing went out, and the case was forgotten. What did that have to do with present case? It struck me that the same group might have come together again, perhaps with others, to work this check racket. Clifford's bank experience would be helpful. And if Calvin and Forrest still have their print shop, they'd be in a position to get the necessary equipment. Will you think gang work from print shop, perhaps? I doubt it. That shop was investigated too many times in the past. Get the phone book. Yes, sir. It's right on the table. Bring it here. I'll look through the classified section. Here, phone book. Uh, let's see. Printers. Uh, here it is. I know the name. I think they used to use the name Calvert. Yes, here it is. Still listed. Calvert and Forrest, commercial printers. 10 Water Street. Come on, Cato. I have a plan that may break this case. First, we'll see if one of those men is still at the print shop office. Let's go. Calvert, a thin, shifty-eyed man, was in the small back office of the print shop, talking on the telephone. Yeah, this is Joe, Eddie. Sure, I heard about Lou. That's why I called you. What? I don't know. That's what I want to talk to you about. Well, come on down here to the shop where we can talk private, huh? Yeah. Okay, see you in 15 minutes. So long. So Eddie Forrest is coming, Donnie. Hey, what the... Too bad about Lou Morris, eh, Joe? What do you know about Lou? Did you have to... I mean... I don't know what you're talking about, Hornet. Same old Calvert, aren't you? Still hooked up with Clifford, I suppose. Running that phony check rocket. So, maybe I am. What's it to you? <laughs> You tried to pull a fast double cross on us once before, Hornet. Got us all picked up by the cops. But the evidence didn't stick. We all got off. You're going to tell me where Cliff hides out. Am I? Even if you did get to Cliff, you couldn't bluff him. You can't tie him into anything without evidence. Come on, you're going with me. Hey, let me go. I ain't going nowhere. You need help for hops. Take the slug to the car, tie and gag him. Then we'll wait for his partner to show up. We'll take Forrest, too. Hey, wait, what are you going to do? After we make you tell us where Clifford's hideout is, well, who knows? Take him. No, no! 
They shared. I'll get it, Cliff. Who is it? Nobody. Well, it was, must have. Hey, there's a big package here. What the devil can that be? We'll soon find out. These suits? See, they look like the suits you joined anywhere. They are the suits they wore. Here's a printed note. What's it say? The bodies won't be identified, but the clothes might. You can get rid of them better than I can. I knew where to send them because I followed you after we made the deal. When you're ready for that other job, you know where to contact me. Remember, that will be for cash, too. Signed, the Green Hornet. What does he mean? Look, I get... Evans. What do you know about this? Not a thing. Something's happened to Joe and Eddie through some deal the Hornet made with somebody who... Oh. Maybe I do know what it's all about at that, Cliff. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you do, Evans. No. Now, what I was thinking can't be right. Some kind of trick. Sure. I guess it is some kind of trick of that. Uh, look, Cliff, uh, I'm going to run up to the gas station with the car. We might have to use it. I won't be long. Okay. I'll wait here for you, Evans. I'll be back shortly. A dirty double-crossing skunk. I heard they wanted to give Joe and Eddie the works, huh? And I have to be next. I'll fix him. All right, I know telling the cops everything. The Jews, Evans, are killing Lou. Enough for him to come out here and lay for him. I'll lay him out on the next plane. Try to trick me, will he? A short time later, Evans was talking into a payphone at the gas station. Police headquarters? Here's a straight tip. Go to the cabin on the point up the river. You'll get the killer of Lou Morris. Yes, it's the truth. It's Clifford. He's heading that check racket, too. That's right. There's a trap door under the couch. All the equipment he used is there. He's there now. It's the truth, I tell you. My name's not important. Goodbye. Now I'll get to the airport and take the first plane out. So long, Clifford. Hey, Sarge, you haven't said why you feel sure the crooks are at the airport. Look, you went to the cabin with us, didn't you? Yeah, but why did you... You saw us find all that evidence. The check writer and other counterfeiting and check writing equipment, didn't you? Sure I did, and but And that why... note tipping us off that a guy named Evans was the head of the gang. 
But what you didn't see us find was another note saying, go to the airport, and signed with the Green Hornet. Step on it, Cassidy! A short time later, Cliff Clifford hurried onto the airfield toward a plane which stood with motors warming up, ready for a takeoff. As Clifford went up the steps and into the plane, he suddenly stopped in amazement. Evans. Yes, that's you. you. What are you doing here? So you decided to take a sudden trip, huh? You followed me here to finish your job. Is that it? Finish it, yeah. What are you talking? Hey, that's the guy. Clifford, right there. Get him up, Clifford. We want you. Cops. So that's it. You brought the cops after me. Well, you're the one they want, all right? You killed me. You were in the car with me. Hold up here. Coming with us. Not me. Look out. Good thing you missed. Well, don't go. Take them all, boys. Look, no. These are the killers we want. Beat him. Beat him. Hey, Sarge. Sarge. Flash just come over the radio in the waiting room. Two men was found tied up in an old warehouse. They confessed to being in with a phony check gang. They were double-crossed by the Green Hornet. What? You know. Well, that does it. Guess we got them all by now. Yeah, I guess you did. But was the Hornet led you by the nose to each of them, Sarge? Hornet? Yeah. I ain't seen or heard of it. Holy crow. Listen to that. You're hearing the Hornet right now. Leaving after making sure you got the gang. Now, there's the guy you ought to have in the force. It takes a crook to catch a crook every time. George W. Trentle are a copyrighted feature of The Green Hornet, Incorporated. All characters, names, places, and incidents used are fictitious.